What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. All right, Bengals fans, hello. My name is Matt Minnick, and this is Bengals Chalk Talk. I have got a great guest today. You know her as the Emmy-winning sports reporter for WLWT5 in Cincinnati, Elise Jesse. Elise, how are you today? What an intro. I'm good, Matt. How are you doing? I'm, I'm great. So uh, excited to talk some Bengals with you. We were talking a little bit before uh, we started recording here, and um, I I haven't lived in Ohio since I was four years old, so obviously I don't really catch your your sports reports on TV. But uh, she is a great Twitter Twitter follow, uh, so I definitely recommend if you're not, she's a great Bengals follow. Uh, make sure you check her out on Twitter. What is your uh, Twitter handle? Um, it is Elise Jesse. A lot of E's. E L I S E J E S S E T V. All right. So, yeah, definitely give her a follow. So I know you're a huge Cincinnati sports fan, um, you know, and, and you have the advantage of being there and kind of knowing what's going on in the city. The, the Reds obviously spent a ton of money this offseason. There was some very high hopes for the Reds. The Bengals drafted a quarterback who's coming off perhaps the best season in college football history. So a city that has been, you know, beat up a little bit in the professional sports world over the last few years, uh, you know, really has a lot of high hopes right now. I mean, how hungry is this team to get back to the place where we can, we can be playing sports? Um, everyone in the city was already hungry for professional sports, the Reds and the Bengals to start because of all of the off season moves that both franchises had made, right? So the, the Reds spending over $150 million in free agency and, you know, making some of the biggest moves and spending the most money that I've ever seen covering the Cincinnati Reds um, to better their roster. And I think it's the most money they've spent in well over a decade. So people were already excited about that starting. And then with the Bengals, I mean, the – after another losing season, I believe it was 2018, New Year's Eve, um, when Marvin Lewis and the Bengals parted ways, the fans wanted that because the fans were unhappy with the fact that they had not been to the playoffs since 2015. So they make that big change. They go to Zach Taylor, and we, they didn't really see what they wanted to see out of that season. Granted, it was a transitional year, especially for the coaching staff. They went 2-14 in 2019. But um, they were excited because they felt like Zach Taylor would shake things up. And he certainly did, which we all saw, what, by week of last year, week eight, when he benched Andy Dalton and brought in Ryan Finley. <laughs> we knew that there were big changes coming. And we've absolutely seen the, that this offseason with the free agency moves to the Bengals and also drafting J. 
Joe Burrow, which, I mean, I think the city would have burned down if they did not draft Joe Burrow <laughs> first overall. I'm not kidding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, even before that, uh, with Preston Brown being being cut, and then all the all the cuts and all the you know money they got off the books coming into the off season, kind of getting away from the the trend of letting guys play out their contracts. So definitely a lot of change. Now the good news is Ohio is in the process of reopening. I live in Rhode Island, so I don't really know what's going on out there. And I know a lot of my listeners they're from all over the world. Um, so. What is uh, what is going on there? How is that process going? And have there been any Joe Burrow sightings yet? No Joe Burrow sightings just yet. Um, he does live not too far from Cincinnati. Uh, he's from Athens, Ohio, which I believe his family still lives there. Um, but as far as the opening of Ohio, it seems to still be going well. Um, as far as I know, there haven't been spikes in COVID cases since reopening of restaurants and things like that. Um, actually, a few high school high schools are holding football practice and workouts and stuff like that today. Oh, good. Some are getting started on Monday. So that's actually a really good sign, in my opinion, that we will see football this fall. Yeah, that's great to, to see that high schools are, are moving along with a little bit. I hadn't heard that. Now, the Bengals facility opened last Wednesday. Uh, still mm-hmm. quite a bit of restrictions. Uh, no coaches, no players who aren't there for you know, pre-established rehab. Um, but right. league sources told Yahoo Sports recently uh, that there's a potential that head coaches could return to the facility next week, and they haven't ruled out uh, the possibility of having full-team minicamps in June. So, I mean, are, are you feeling optimistic? I do, and that's just kind of how I my thought process is anyways in everyday life is to be optimistic about pretty much everything. Um, you're, so yeah, you're, really, you're really happy to be a Cincinnati sports fan, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, growing up a Cincinnati sports fan, you almost have to be optimistic because I don't know if you've ever heard the chatter right before a season starts, but most Bengals fans believe that Bengals will go to the playoffs that year every year they think that's going to happen and so optimism is just in my blood I guess Um, I hope that they are able to do that right now I know that they're doing the the virtual workouts and the virtual meetings and all of that stuff and you know as far as roster bonuses go the players have to be um, on 85 percent of those virtual meetings and calls in order to get that that workout bonus Um, so that's required of them, and I'm, I'm, I know, but just from talking to different players uh, throughout the league, they are anxious to get back to playing. Um, and in their opinion, you know, they're in the best shape of their lives right now, and they feel healthy. And so obviously they want to, they want to come back in a safe way, but they feel like they're, most of them feel like they're in good position to do so. I, I can tell you my lockdown is not going that way. I'm certainly not in the best shape of my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think – I think a lot of people might be in your position, but a lot of people are not <laughs> professional athletes. <laughs> very true, very true. Um, you know, we, we mentioned Joe Burrow a minute ago. Obviously, that's the biggest move of the offseason. Um, yeah. What do you think that he means to, you know, this team, this city – and what are the expectations for him? 
in year one? Well, it's always very interesting to see how a quarterback transitions from the college world to the NFL uh, style of play. Um, And if we're going purely off of confidence and swagger, I think Joe Burrow is going to be great this year. Um, I'm excited to see how he learns and how he develops um, and how he fits in and how he builds relationships with guys like A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd, uh, C.J. Uzama, Joe Mixon. I want to see how all of that uh, transpires. But the biggest thing that I'm kind of looking for as far as Joe Burrow's success goes is the offensive line because that's really been a huge issue since, you know, the Bengals, lost Andrew Whitworth, he signed with the Rams, they lost Kevin Zeitler at that time, he signed with the uh, Cleveland Browns, and then Clint Bowling retired in Zach Taylor's first year as head coach. So that transition has been massive, and um, I think a lot of times it's overlooked just what a big turnover that was for this team. Um, because at one point, I know there was a couple of years where Andy Dalton was sacked upwards of 40 times in a season, which is a lot for a quarterback. Um, so I'm, I'm very, very interested to see how that shakes out because I think you remember 2015, the Bengals started out 8-0. and They were strong. They were successful. They went to the playoffs that year. Of course, lost the Steelers but in the AFC wildcard game. But um, that offense, offensive line was so steady. I mean, they, at that, in that year, those guys would actually sit when they would eat lunch and when they would watch film. They would sit exactly how they were aligned on the field. <laughs> just, just always working that communication? <laughs> yes. I don't know what it was about them, but they always stayed in that formation. It was really funny. <laughs> and I... I'm, I'm, I'm picturing like a like, like a Last Supper with O lineman, like all on one side of the table too. <laughs> right, and for whatever reason, I mean, I was I was privy. I mean, when um, Paul Alexander was the offensive line coach, I was allowed to go in and do a feature story on him and spent almost twelve hours with him and with the oh, players wow. and in meetings. And I've done that with a few coaches on the Bengals staff now. Um, but I just noticed that. I noticed that they, the guys would sit in the same formation that they were on the field. I'd always thought that, that was really funny. Um, now, I have not seen the, the offensive line room today as of 2020 or as of 2019, but I know that, you know, Jim Turner is the guy that he doesn't, he doesn't care if you're a first-round draft pick or if you're a fifth-rounder or if you're an undrafted free agent. Whoever shows up, in practice and gives 100% in every single rep and wins the day and wins the multiple practices leading up to game day, that's who he's going to start. He's very much a show me your work ethic, show me what you've got. You don't get any passes just because of where you were drafted. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting to see. I can't wait. Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of people were hoping that more would be done in the offseason with that position. But they, they certainly made some strides during the year, uh, playing at a much higher level at the end of the year. And I think uh, just kind of fit-wise and, and for what it, it seems like you know, Jim Turner is looking for, Xavier Suofilo and Hakeem Adeniji are both mm-hmm. sneaky good pickups for them. Uh, and I think, you know, I think both those guys could, uh, you know, could, could make a, an impact this year. I don't, I, don't know if the, I don't know if the rookie necessarily gets a starting job right away, but 
Um, I, I think I think both are, are a really good fit and, and have some of the tools they're looking for. Um, so Burrow was was the big move as we mentioned. O line, not you know not making uh, huge moves at that position. Uh, well, but outside of mind, Joe Burrow, yeah, go ahead. Keep in mind, we still haven't seen the play from Jonah Williams because he was hurt and wasn't able to play last year. Absolutely. He's a first round draft pick out of Alabama. So we yeah. still have to wait and see how he unfolds because I fully expect him to be in the left tackle position in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like there's a trend that a lot of times teams that draft a quarterback in the first round, they kind of pair them with somebody else. Uh, you saw last year the, the Redskins drafted Dwayne Haskins and they traded back up and took Montez Sweat. Uh, the, the Bills, when they took Josh Allen, they also got Tremaine Edmonds that year. And really, the Bengals are basically coming into this year with with three first round picks. <laughs> you got you got you got Jonah right. Williams and uh, and T Higgins, who was the thirty third pick, and you know popular opinion was that he was going to go in, in round one. So uh, definitely a, a major insurgence of talent. Uh, but outside of of Joe Burrow, what do you think was the biggest move of this offseason, and, and what really excites you the most about this offseason? I thought the biggest move was um, when they made a big signing in DJ Reader and made him the most expensive nose tackle in the NFL. Um, they definitely needed help defensively because they were towards the bottom of the league as far as giving up yards and giving up plays, and they needed to bolster their defense, and they knew that. And you saw that with the moves that they made in the offseason with free agency. Um, I think DJ Reader is going to be a force up front, and I think that is going to be extremely impactful for the Cincinnati Bengals this season, especially when you think about the fact that their defense is going up against um, Ben Roethlisberger and Lamar Jackson, guys like that. You have to find some way to be able to stop those guys because they will torch you, and they did torch the Bengals last year. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and having having a defensive tackle like that next to Geno Atkins does two things for you. It helps out the young linebackers and, and you know that position that they've had a major turnaround at. And it also it's gonna help out Geno. I, th- I think that's something that we've heard a, quite a bit out of this coaching staff is that Geno Atkins played more than they wanted him to last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, having having reader and knowing that you can always have one of those guys on the field, uh, I feel like that'll get Gino a little bit more rest, and and you know, hopefully we'll we'll get him in, at that that Pro Bowl level we expect out of him. Well, and that's that's something that I noticed right away with Zach Taylor's staff when he first came on is uh, the fact that he was talking about two things quite a bit. And the players picked up on that also, I noticed, because A.J. Green would also echo the same thing. Um, the one thing that Zach Taylor and his staff would all talk about was communication. But number two, it was saving players' bodies and making sure that they got rest 
and making sure that they were not out there for too many reps. Um, one of the biggest things that sounded like for me when Zach Taylor would talk about, you know, putting guys out there was making sure that they weren't um, putting them in situations where they were playing too much to where it was taxing on their bodies and they weren't able to recover as quickly. Um, and I think the players really appreciated that. Yeah, and it's good to be really forward thinking with that. And it's a long season and it's going to get longer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, probably, you know, probably in, yeah. in 2021, but, you know, definitely soon. So, um, definitely good to have a coach that's already ahead and thinking about those things. And I think one of the big uh, areas that, that you would think about that and, and that he has mentioned is the running back position. He himself went through the process of, of seeing uh, the Rams kind of run Todd Gurley out uh, a little bit in that Super Bowl run. Um, right. What do you think about the future uh, of Joe Mixon, who's looking at a possible extension this offseason? Uh, and then also A.J. Green. They, they have a lot of uh, youth in that, in that position at wide receiver, and obviously he's had some injury concerns. So uh, what do you think of, of uh, the future of, of those two uh, Bengals stars? I think that the coaching staff would love to keep both of them on this roster for a very long time. And I know A.J. Green, initially he wanted – a long-term contract. He's in his 30s, and this is the point where he realizes that um, from here on out, if he does not start producing, um, he might not have very many chances to get those long-term contracts, those long-term deals. Um, so I'd fully expect those talks to ramp up around July. I believe it's mid-July when that needs to be decided on. Um, and so that's obviously what A.J. Green's looking for, but he, he accepted the franchise tag because he even told me months before it happened he's not going to turn down $18 million. Um, so I fully expect him to play, give his all this year. I'm hoping for his sake that he stays healthy and that they can work out that deal. Now, Joe Mixon is such an interesting, <laughs> interesting player. He was drafted with so much controversy surrounding him and no one really knew what he was going to be like as a professional in the NFL because of what happened in his college days and I've got to tell you I am extremely impressed by Joe Mixon how he handles himself um, how he speaks to me um, how he speaks to every reporter in there and also his play and how he is with his teammates his teammates look to him as a leader and he certainly is that. And his playmaking ability is so impressive. His vision is impressive to me. And I know that the Bengals would like to keep him honest. I know Duke Tobin has echoed this, the director of player personnel. He has echoed that they want to keep Joe Mixon around. But it all comes down to salary cap. What can they afford? And those, that's going to be how they have to make those decisions moving forward, just like every other team. Um, so you're hoping that they can work out some type of deal to be able to keep both, but I just don't know if that's possible moving past 2020. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that about mixing because, you know, to me, being, being more distant from it than you are, you know, I'm on, I'm on the sideline, I'm on the locker room, uh, but, it, I mean, yeah, it definitely seems that way, that, that he's a guy that if, you, if you're just an NFL fan and you don't know anything, you know, you didn't follow college football, you didn't know his story coming in, you'd be like, wow, that's like, that's the best dude. You know, like, like he's a great guy. Um, so, you know, it's, it's good to see that, 
when the Bengals have had a had had a history of uh, of selecting guys and bringing in guys who have had some issues in their past, and it's great to see one who was taking advantage of that and you know really really you know set himself on the right course and is, and is doing things correctly. Uh, so obviously yeah, you, you love to love to keep those guys around, and I mean especially with with Burrow coming in. I mean I know Zach Taylor the way you hear him talk about A.J. Green, it's, it's obvious that, that that was one of the things he was most looking forward to taking the job, was being able to coach a receiver mm-hmm. like that. Um, what do you think, assuming, you know, I mean, these guys are both going to be here in the fall anyway, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think that Joe Burrow and what this offense is, is likely to evolve into can do to really reestablish Green's career uh, and then also help Mixon be appreciated for what he is outside of Cincinnati. Well, I think that there's a lot of possibilities with this offense because, as you mentioned earlier, there are so many weapons um, like A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd as well, for instance. When A.J. Green's on the field, a lot of times he gets double teamed, and that frees up Tyler Boyd a little bit more as well. So his stats actually go up when A.J. Green's on the field with him. Um, I think Joe Burrow is – I think what the coaches really like about him is his IQ, his football IQ. He's smart. And when a player is smart, usually that gives coaches more confidence (laughs) going forward with a player in game situations. Um, And A.J. Green is just the kind of guy to – I would not be surprised if A.J. Green flew out to wherever Joe Burrow was just to establish a relationship with him um, and try to get some, you know, relationship established before the season happens because that is just so important, as you know, between a quarterback and a wide receiver. And A.J. Green is is no fool. He he knows exactly what that means. He knows that he's got to be on the same page with Joe. Um and I, I think that it could be really, really special, especially if A.J. Green stays healthy. I know that Zach Taylor was so disappointed. I mean, it was the first day of training camp in the Zach Taylor era, and A.J. Green goes down. And at first, no one really thought that it was a big deal. It was just an ankle roll or maybe a sprain or something like that, and then it turned mm-hmm. into him having to have surgery. We never saw him the rest of the year. Highly disappointing for not only A.J. Green, but also the coaching staff because they wanted to coach him, as you mentioned. Um, I think if I were in Brian Callahan's shoes right now, I would be really excited for just the options that I have to to play around with because, I mean, all of these big names, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, I mean, all of these guys have so much talent. And if they can all get on the same page and if they can all work cohesively in 2020, I think we're going to be able to see a really, really cool offense. Yeah, there's so much talent there. And and I think, uh, like, a lot of people are are huge fans of Auden Tate. And I, I just look yeah. at Alden Tate and I think, how is this guy getting on the field? He's the fifth receiver. But you know, these, these are these <laughs> are great problems massive. to have, though. What's that? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> He's also massive. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but but that's a great problem to have when when you're looking at you know that's that's your fifth receiver with Higgins coming in with with Ross and Boyden in there as well. And I mean, that's that's a great group. So um, now I I know you you grew up a Bengals fan. Uh, who was your favorite Bengal growing up? 
Oh, gosh. It would probably have to be, I mean, I heard the name Anthony Munoz my whole entire life. Um, and I was able to actually meet him in person through this job. And he's just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. So Anthony Munoz was always someone that I thought was in- intriguing and incredible. And I think you'll notice there's a trend. I'm, I'm always very interested in the offensive line, <laughs> how the offensive yeah. line does. Okay. How the guys okay. in the trenches do, because I feel like success of an offense works from the inside out. And maybe that's an old school opinion, but that's fine. <laughs> All right, I like it. How about um, and, and this is this is a this is perfect probably because you you already said you like offensive linemen, but uh, I'm a like I'm a big music guy, but I don't I don't tend to like you know I like popular artists, but I don't I don't always like the song that's on the radio. I like the B tracks. You know I like, you got to buy the album okay. to find the find the songs I like. So who who's your favorite B track bangle? You know like a kind of a, a less expected. Uh, bangle that, that you always love to follow? Oh, gosh. Of all time? Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, man. One of my favorite bangles, and I don't know if he always got the credit, but and he's more of a current bangle. He doesn't play for the bangles anymore, but um, Vincent Ray. Vinny Ray was one of my favorite players to talk to, to cover, and that's because he was so genuine and so kind, but he also worked his butt off. And he was so focused on making sure that he did his job right so that his, his, co- his, um, his teammates could also, I almost said coworkers. <laughs> I guess they are. <laughs> his teammates could also do their jobs well. And he is someone that, I have always referenced as this is the perfect type of player that you would not only want on the field, but also in the locker room. And he kind of set the standard for how I judge players, I guess. That's a good one. I, I, I like that one. Now, um, the uh, ESPN's The Last Dance uh, kind of came out at the perfect time uh, <laughs> that there were no yeah, really sports, did. there was nothing else going on. And uh, so obviously that had a, kind of a, a cult following throughout, throughout the run. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not really a basketball guy. And I actually, uh, I, I wrote a piece for, for Cincy Jungle uh, about some of the lessons about competition and leadership that, that are within that and, you know, things that I'm hoping Joe Burrow uh, also brings to the table and picked up on. Uh, I know, I know you played basketball in high school, uh, so you probably have a little bit more reference uh, than I do on, on the basketball side of things. What were uh, some things that you took away from, uh, from that series that you think could apply to, to the Bengals to life and, and everything like that? Well, first of all, I don't think ESPN could have released the Last Dance series at a more perfect time. Right? <laughs> Everyone was yep. so hungry for anything sports at that point, and People, people are almost desperate to see something like that, and it was so well done. And I loved being able to hear the inside stories and hear what actually happened um, from, you know, Pippin's point of view, from Jordan's point of view, from Allen Iverson's point of view. It's so cool to me. Um, and I, for me, I think I would hope that the Bengals take away from Jordan the work ethic that is there and just the willingness to do literally anything to make sure that he was a winner 
And I, I love that. I'm all about the work ethic and doing things right to get the win and not letting anything slide, not cutting corners, um, and holding your, your teammates and your coworkers to high standards. I love that about Jordan, and I know that he got, I guess, kind of a, an a-hole reputation. I don't know if I can say that. Um, That's fine. Just for being hard <laughs> on his teammates, for being hard on them. But you know what? Sometimes people need someone to be hard on them, to push them a little bit further so that they can be better than they would be by themselves. And I thought, I thought that was really cool. I loved it. I was, I was totally engulfed in that whole entire thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like you could watch every episode ten times, and every time you're, you're picking up something new and, and just kind of oh, yeah. learning something else there. And, I mean, and you make a great point. I think and Jordan says it at one point in there, too, that he's like, he's like yeah, you, like, I'm not nice. I'm not trying to be anybody's friend, but I'm not asking guys to do anything that I'm not doing, too. And I, I, I think, like, you know, obviously – you're not seeing everything that's going on, but there was at one point where he was talking about that. I remember they were running, uh, you know, they were running sprints or something and he was finishing first. Like he was way ahead of everybody else. So it's like, all right, well, I mean, if you're doing that and you're working that hard, then you've earned the right to have those expectations of others. Right. And it's not just, it's not just saying that you're going to do something. It's actually doing it. So we always talk about how we like people who walk the walk not just talking the talk. So that's something that I think everyone likes about a person. Um, and Jordan was definitely that, <laughs> I think we saw. Absolutely. Well, I do appreciate you joining me. Um, this is, you know, like I said, uh, Elise is a great follow on Twitter, so definitely check her out there. Uh, hopefully, we'll be seeing you reporting live from Paul Brown Stadium and, and interviewing players in person and you know, maybe doing some, some behind-the-scenes uh, pieces on this, uh, this new coaching staff uh, very soon. Uh, thank yeah. you to all of my listeners uh, to the podcast for, for you know, checking us out. And if you like the podcast and like hearing from great guests like Elise, please take a minute, give us a rating on iTunes or whatever platform you are listening on. You know, definitely appreciate that. And, you know, helps more people find out about us. And there's definitely going to be a lot of Good Bengal stuff to talk about in the uh, the coming months and, and years here. So, uh, yeah. once again, thank you, Elise, and who day? Who day? Yeah, we coming forward with sours. You hear the crowd? We coming forward with sours. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, 
wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.